Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Second Row Podcast. My name is Park Kelly and as always I'm joined by Ushin Collins. But this week on the line we have two very special guests, Ali Miller and Tig Leader talking about their rugby careers and the Autumn Internationals. And our first guest this week is Ali Miller. How are you? How's things? Good to start you. Ali, I tell you what, I was doing a bit of research for this. You've had an unbelievable career representing Ireland at 15s and 7s, a couple of Six Nations medals in the process. But the, my favourite stat is, am I right in thinking you've scored 22 tries in 36 appearances over that period? Uh, tw- or I think it's 22 in 43 appearances. Did you know... That puts you at number five on the All-Ireland try-scoring list ahead of Shane Horgan. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know that, actually, no. Well, Wikipedia are going to find out about it. I'm going to spend the next couple of weeks trying to update the re- update the record and give you the credit you deserve. Yeah, 43 caps. I think it's 22 tries. Yeah, so I think, that's, I think that's right. Someone told me that. That's an incredible strike rate. Like, there's a good reason people call you the best winger in Ireland for a while. Oh, I don't know about that. It's also you're sometimes you're in the right place at the right time, and your teammates are putting you in the lowest position. So you know it's a, your job as a winger to do that too. I think certainly is, but some some wingers aren't as good at it. <laughs> <laughs> you've um you've had some good fun playing across Ireland as well. So you played club rugby for Belvo, provincially for Connacht. But am I right in thinking you started playing rugby when you were in college in WIT? Yeah, that's the first time I picked it up. Was my last year in WIT, two thousand and seven, and then I joined. My local club, Port Leash, in 2008 slash 2019. And they were my kind of first introduction to rugby. First in college, then with Port Leash. And when did you head up to Belvo and get involved in the Connacht setup? I've been involved with Connacht since 2009. So I've been with Connacht a long time now. And I'm only, re- this is only my third season with Old Belvedere. So I haven't been involved with them that long. I would have played most of my club rugby with Port Leash and provincial with Connacht since 2010 and then I, I was involved with Sevens programme from 2014 to 2016-17 so there wasn't you didn't play club rugby then I didn't play club rugby so it's kind of only before the 2017 World Cup that year that I um, first joined Obelder. Given that you've been involved in the game for as many years in as many different areas you must have seen a huge change both obviously in terms of the number of people playing in Ireland but also the, the structures behind the game, how many um, how many different teams and competitions we're representing in. How much has the game changed from when you started playing? Yeah, there's definitely more leagues now for women. There's more women playing. The 2013 Grand Slam had a huge effect, like um, a huge, huge effect. And I think a lot of the development of clubs corresponded with that success. And it's the first time women's, women's rugby was in the media and the first time the Irish, the women's rugby team had ever won anything. So a lot of development in clubs new teams new women's teams underage girls system kind of started around 2013 and it kind of originated then the sevens program started then i suppose in 2012 that went from being um, a weekend based uh training program to 2013 sevens world cup and then it went full-time in 2014 to the current full-time program now and um i suppose in general there's just there's definitely more women playing and it's it's definitely more common. And um, since 2015, Ireland and your new home has been Donnybrook. What's it like having that nice steady base in Dublin? Well, like Ashburn was a real fortress for a long time and people did come out there and it was, it was a brilliant place and have to acknowledge what a great place Ashburn was for years and really there was great days there. It was, it was kind of sometimes it was a hard place to get to. That was the only thing. But having a double now is great. Um, hopefully the fans can really get behind it now. And 
there's not really an excuse anymore that's not accessible or it's in the middle of the countryside. It's a really good location. So I'd be hoping for even more kind of attendance than Donnybrook going forward. And I think obviously the bigger crowd and getting the fans behind the team, that's got to be key to everything that the IRFU is looking to do with the women's game. We saw the strategic plan last week. There's some great objectives within it. There's some really achievable objectives. But a lot of it is just about building and growing the game and getting more women playing the whole Give It A Try campaign. It's all just about trying to bring the playing numbers up in a lot of ways. I think success breeds interest. So hopefully the more people, it'll all be kind of connected, if that makes sense. So the more people you have playing, the more successful then the Irish national team can be. And it all feeds into each other. You know, you have more people getting involved in grassroots and going up to the higher level, then you want to have a better standard. Standard brings success and it feeds back. I think everything is related and one is as important as the other. So the, the Irish team is as important as grassroots, but the grassroots is important to the Irish team. That improvement at grassroots level to create that growth doesn't happen by accident. Well, I suppose there's a lot of work being done in the RFU at all levels, you know, at the, at the top, I suppose, coaching and at the you know the bottom and grassroots by committed parents and coaches that are coaching these girls and you know they they all volunteer at the end of the day the at the grassroots so that's really important this is the most it's as important as the high level really the sevens team i suppose i feel kind of made a, a significant breakthrough in colorado coming sixth at the start of the year now they have finished sixth before in the world series but this was at the start of the world series which you know bodes well for the upcoming Dubai leg and the forthcoming um, legs of the World Series. So that's good to see the progress there. And I suppose there's now there's a new development squad. I think it's under 23 squad with um, with girls in it that are, are being targeted to play international level, um, which is fantastic. Even, you know, the promotion of the AIL on um, social media and stuff is a huge is mo- is great now this year just to have to see the women's tries tries of the month tries of the year or whatever they're doing you know and i'm a teacher in a, in a thai college and the boys that i'm teaching and the girls they don't distinguish that you're you know a male or female rugby player they're just you know i suppose impressed that you're a rugby player so that's you know it doesn't have to be we're trying to promote girls sport but you can bring your boys to these women's games as well and you're not wrong about the standard. I was actually at the, the Munster-Leinster game in the women's interpros and there's a really high standard of rugby being played, which is fantastic to see. And I think the more people we can get in the door to those games, the better. It's funny because my boyfriend was a rugby player. He played for Carlo in the AL Division 1 years ago. And I, don't, I think the standard obviously is always getting better because more people are playing. But the standard, I think, was always fairly good. It's just people weren't aware of it because it wasn't in the media. It wasn't there for people to see. People aren't aware of it. What you know, what you don't know, you can't see. I suppose, and that's I suppose the whole twenty twenty campaign for women is about. If you can't, you can't be it if you can't see it. I suppose. So, I remember when he came to the first game. <laughs> I don't know what he was expecting, but he just at the, at the end of the game he was blown away by the standard. He couldn't believe it, and I was like, "What did you think it was going to be?" You know, I didn't mean that in a harsh way, but what what did you expect when you came here to watch an Ireland game? He's like, "I just he just you know and." Other people like that were blown away by the performances over the years. And I just think sometimes you have to give it a chance. And I, I think it's easy to say, oh, the women's standard, that's a crap game. You know, every team, can, there can be bad games. It doesn't matter any sport. You can, you know, you can go to a county final football. Oh, it was a terrible game. But I think 
it's it's very quick to say that if it's a women's game, well, it's a terrible game, and then make a rash decision on the whole as a sport as a whole, all standards, all levels. Yeah, no, like some of the my most enjoyable games have been the women's matches in the sports ground and in Donnybrook and the standard you have been playing at is very good and looking towards November and the internationals, what's think the ambitions are you know, for this team going forward? You know, it depends on the coach, what they're looking for. Obviously, I'm not involved in the squad now at the moment, but like, you know, you want to see players too and it's an opportunity to see, you know, maybe new caps or someone maybe didn't much game time or different positions to see how they fare at a competitive level against world-class teams. It's also a chance, you know, to, to for a team to gain confidence and to put into practice everything that they've trained. And it's the same with the men's when they have autumn internationals. You're you're trying players. You're you're you wanting to get a win, but there's a kind of a, a, f- a nice balance between the two of them. So I suppose for Ireland, um, the team it's a kind of blend of experience and new caps. So it'll be you know they'll be looking to get a win. They'll be looking to perform at the highest level. But also, I suppose, Adam Griggs will be looking to see players in certain positions and see how those new caps fare at, at the highest level. Because, yeah, you know, you've in the women's game, you've limited opportunities to compare to, I suppose, because we're not playing professional clubs to see players at um, the highest level. Now, I know the men probably have limited time as well because they're at their clubs and I suppose there's a step up from oh, Champions Cup to International or whatever. But... I suppose the women's are slightly different because people are working full time. So there's um, limited opportunities. Speaking of new caps, it's great to see like Baven Parsons named on the bench. Like at 16, if she gets on on the weekend, she'll be the youngest capped international in Ireland in rugby. Yeah, like it's great. I actually looked at the um, the Irish rugby had tweeted about Ballina Slow as the club and forming the girls team from 2013. And I suppose... It, that 2013 it's no accident that it kind of originated out of that Grand Slam win so it's great to see you know success leads to these people getting involved in the sport so you know 16 like when I think back to when I was 16 you know you're full of beans you're playing every sport you don't have any fear you just go out and play it's not a disadvantage so whether you're 16 26 36 It'd be amazing to, to see someone getting, a, you know, the youngest ever player at 16 representing Connacht so well. And hopefully, she's and looking to Saturday, the team will also be looking to get the series off with a good performance and a win. So, yeah, they'll be looking for um, a win. Um, obviously, there's a lot of new caps, including Baby. And as I said, if you're 16 and you're good enough, well, then you're old enough. You know, USA, you don't really know what you're going to get with them. They, they can change their team quite regularly. But... Yeah, Ireland will be looking to get a win, but they'll also be looking to put in, you know, a performance with players in different positions. And new girls this weekend playing for Ireland, Emma Hooban, um, a Port Leash girl, so I have to give a special mention to her. She's playing in the club from since she was seven or eight, and I first came across her when she was about 12. We set up a girls team, myself and two other girls in Port Leash, to try and get girls to play. And she's been there since she's 12, and she went all the way from... 12 to 18 with the underage girls and is now on the bench for Ireland at 21. I know we're talking about Bevin being 16, which is really young, but still 21 is still young for uh, a girl because I suppose there isn't academies to go into like the boys at underage or, you know, to develop. So 21 is, is very young for a woman, I suppose, to play on an Irish team. So um, well done to Emma. She's um, always had the skills. So it's great to see. You know, to be playing that long, I suppose you have a good game awareness and 
good tactical and technical ability. So that will help in terms of, you know, scrummaging and technique and just even to know your job on the field and, you know, having those years of game awareness, game knowledge really, really helps. Yeah, and, you know, front row, I obviously <laughs> can't really talk about front row being a winger, but, uh, you know, it's a different world in there, the dark arts of the scrum, but, um, you know, she's holding her own and doing very well. So um, it's great to see someone that, you, you know, I only coached her for a year when she was 12, but to, you know, to be involved and in that she was playing come through my home club and now to be on the bench, it's great to see. And then next week, facing England, the old enemy, as it were, um, it's going to be a potentially tougher test. Yeah, I suppose, like, USA lost last week quite heavily. But I suppose you never know what USA team are going to turn up. So there might be a huge difference in two games. There might not. It's hard It's hard to tell November internationals, really. But, you know, England, it doesn't matter what team they put out. They've a huge amount of people playing in England. And the standard of the English women's team is always hugely. It doesn't matter whether they're focusing on one, like sevens or fifteens. They always have a high standard. And I think there's there's a lot of women in, in the UK playing the game professionally, Ali, which makes a difference as well. They are, I suppose they put a lot of work into their Premier 15s league, was it last year and the year before? So the girls aren't actually paid, it's just that the teams are running a professional setup. So there is a lot of girls you know, coming from that. They've always had a huge player pick. They've always played at a high standard. But obviously, the, you know, they were in the last World Cup final. You know, they're hugely competitive. Katie McLean got her 100 cap the last day. She's a wealth of experience at 10. They'll always have new and up-and-coming players. You know, it'll be a big test, but at the same time, it's Ireland versus England, so there'll be no motivation needed on, on behalf of the Irish girls. You know, they'll always get up for those games and, um, you know, perform against England. And you know each other quite well, so there's always that added spice. Yeah, you know, you do know each other quite well. It depends what team they line out, if they're looking to put out some more inexperience. But teams would know each other quite well over playing over the years, definitely, yeah. So, Ali, a couple of quick questions I wanted to ask you, just to get a sense of, of your career in uh, in a couple of rapid ones. So, if you had a favourite moment in the green jersey, what would that look like? Everyone asked me this, and I have to say it's a tie between beating England for the very first time in Ashburn in 2013, because that ultimately led on to winning the, the Grand Slam. So we bet them 25 nil, and beaten New Zealand in the 2014 World Cup. Oh, yeah. They're big tie with each other. I, I, and I think we'll allow you to on that, given, yeah. <laughs> given the particular yeah, two that those are. Level, then, they, were, they were fantastic games for me, you know. Okay. Um, biggest regret, if you have one? Uh, I don't have any regrets. I suppose I only took up rugby at 23, 24 it's not a regret. There was not much you can do about it, but I would love to have played when I was younger. I played loads of different sports, and which, you know, I would actually think is a great thing as well because it develops in other ways. But if I could have played when I was younger, I, I would have. And since you've been playing, who's your favourite player you've played alongside on your journey? Uh, I think Lynn, Lynn Cantwell was a magician um, with the ball. You know, just had the ability... She played 13 for Ireland. She also played on the wing, I think, earlier in her career. But she just had an ability to create space for you. And, you know, she also was a really good defensive player. And, yeah, she was, you know, a magician just with the with the ball, with her footwork as a playmaker, but also as a, she was a dangerous runner herself. So 
and obviously Joy there's, there's there's two or three I suppose Joy Neville as well number one the, the best number eight I've probably ever played with and Fiona Coughlin but I suppose Linny was the probably the most intelligent creative players I've played with Would she be one of your favourite players because she's helped create quite a few of your tries Well yeah like as a winger you know if people are creating <laughs> tries for you you know it's it's fantastic you just it's easy then you know <laughs> so probably part parcel of a chess that's gonna probably the most obvious reason yeah she would have created tries for me it certainly makes her stand out and who'll be the toughest opponent you've played against well i suppose she's retired now but i a player that i really did not like playing against you know and i never would say that with any player but cat marchin she was an english wing, winger she won, played on the English team in the 2014 World Cup and I think it was because we were very similar players. We both had a very strong handoff. I found her, she was impossible to defend. You go low and she had she managed to leg drive through. You go, if you go a bit higher, she'll hand you off in the face. She could outpace you, she could outstep you. She was just hugely threatening. And, you know, she would have been the player I would have least liked to line up against and that's a compliment. Caused you the most problems when defending her. Caused you the absolute most problems, yeah. As for me as a defender over the years, yeah. Definitely. Okay. And I guess looking forward a little bit to to February and March, where do you think both? And I guess I'd ask you this for the women's team, but also for the men's team. How do you think Ireland is going to do in the Six Nations this year? Well, we'll start with the men, I suppose. And I think even though it's a World Cup year, he'd probably want to try players, but knowing Joe Smith, he'd probably want to win it at the same time. <laughs> the standards don't drop with Joe, do they? Yeah, so it doesn't matter really. And I suppose they've got to that stage where whatever 15 they're starting are still capable of performing at the highest level. And each person is pushing for um, a position, you know, we saw. And you look at the 15 who turned out against Italy in the States a couple of weeks ago, and there's a lot of them who will be pushing for selection as well. No, Marley obviously is a world-class player, and, you know, he'll always be the chosen nine. But the two nines then came on. Marley did very well, and then Luke McGrath did very well then when he came on. So everyone's always vying to get a position and push the standards. And for the women's, what do you think their result will be this year in the Six Nations? Well, um, hopefully I'll be back for it. (laughs) So I'm working hard on the injury, but... uh, why not aim to win? Like, I just think the team haven't won since 2015, but there's no reason why you can't go out and win. You can always win. You can always win. And I know last year probably we won some and lost some, but I think they're always capable of going out and beating the best teams in the world, like any Irish team can. So, you know, look, look to build depth and there'll be newer players and there'll be, you know, players with limited experience, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not capable and they can still perform at the highest level. But I don't see any reason why they can't perform very highly and win. Speaking of your injury, how's your rehab come along? You'll be looking to score more tries, hopefully, in Ireland, <laughs> in green. Ah, you know, it's 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 a very it's a very serious injury. And I suppose I've been lucky, you know, over the years not to have had a serious injury. 2010, broken arm, thumbs here and that. But, you know, this was obviously broken tip and fib, not a clean break, so... Horrific injury in terms of injuries go. You just have to put your head down and you have to just do what what you're meant to be doing every day. You know, when you have a full time job and you're training and you're fit and you're 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 healthy, you know, it's still still difficult. Now no one is forcing you to do it. So you have to you remember that too, that you, you choose to play and it's a great honour and it's a great privilege. But when I suppose when you're trying to get back it's that little bit harder um to work around a full time job. But it's um it's getting there, you know. Not too long now, that's all I'll say. But I suppose um, the mentality has to be day by day, just do what you're meant to do, get on with it. 
improve, see the progress and at the same time acknowledge because I suppose it was a while there where I wasn't acknowledging how serious it was and I was getting frustrated myself for certain fitness levels or a bit of slowness in how in terms of how it was progressing. So I suppose acknowledging where, you know, what the injury was, but at the same time just getting on with it and putting your head down and working hard. There's two things that I always think are most important in sport. It doesn't matter how talented you are or who you play for. If you have a good attitude and you work hard, well then they frame everything else that you do. So kind of having a good attitude and and picking yourself up because there's been some bad days <laughs> doing sessions at the moment where it's just you know very difficult but you just have to get up and pick yourself up and go again <laughs> so yeah no it's coming on and I've, I've no doubt you're working hard at the rehab My, myself and Park were actually both in the stadium the day it happened so we're very much looking forward to seeing you back in a green jersey and, and adding a few more tries to the record yeah, hopefully you can get back in green. Obviously, you need to be performing and playing well to play for your country. So I'll aim to do, to try and get back and play well. And if I do all that, hopefully I can get back in green. So yeah, it was a, quite a bad injury and very painful. But uh, people are very good helping out with me. And that's the one thing I've learned. People are very good about get, trying to get you back. That's brilliant. And we'll look forward to September 2019 and the Rugby World Cup. And how do you think Ireland are going to get on? You know, it's a tough ordeal a Rugby World Cup, I suppose, you know, because you're you're there for... I know the men have obviously longer time than women, but uh, at this stage now, I think semi-final at the very least is, I think, would be expected. Oh, well, I think so. I'm not great at predicting things. I don't really like to predict, <laughs> but the World Cup, it's cutthroat. You'd have to go out and win and you have to perform and you have to relentlessly perform uh, day in, day out of the tournament and under huge pressure so you know hopefully you get to a top four and then work from there but obviously they'll I suppose they'll have a process to their tournament and go game by game which is what you have to do but I'd be looking forward to them at least getting to a semi-final and I think that's probably fair I think that aligns with their own targets but hopefully they go one step further get to the final and then it's anyone's game of the day yeah I think yeah definitely like you know they're well capable of doing that they've shown that they they, that they can get to a final and then you know once you're there it doesn't matter if it's New Zealand or wherever you're still beatable everyone's beatable you know Ali one last question for you and um, it, it's just a curious one I was looking through your your um, your match records what have you got against Scotland two hat tricks and a pair of tries on another occasion <laughs> I suppose it's just been in the right place at the right time and uh, I suppose I was lucky in those games to be able to be in a position to finish tries off and obviously you have great playmakers that are putting you in that position or the forwards punching it up and creating space for you so yeah hopefully get some tries against other countries as well absolutely so I guess Ali for most thanks a million for, for joining us for a chat um, best of luck with the rehab and uh, the teaching as well that can't be fun <laughs> <laughs> but um, hopefully we might uh, we might chat to you and certainly we look forward to seeing you in a green jersey again thank you very much yeah thanks very much and I'll be in Donnybrook on Sunday I'll give you a wave do do come over and say hello <laughs> lovely thanks bye a million bye. thanks, thanks very, very much, much. bye bye take care thanks Ali thanks Ali and next up on the line from the US is Tig Leader hey guys how's it going Good, good. Thanks a million for joining the pod. Um, Ty, you're you're one of a number of Irish players who are really starting to make a name for themselves abroad. Uh, brilliant to see, and fair play to you. First of all, I suppose. Cheers, yeah, thank you. I'm I'm definitely thoroughly enjoying my experience here in the states. You're a former Galwegian Connacht player. You've represented Ireland at underage level. You've done a stint in Italy. 
Boston, Missouri, San Diego, like you're a well-traveled player. Yeah, sound like a bit of journey, a bit of a journeyman there when you list them out. But um, yeah, no, I mean, as we know, rugby is definitely a, a great vehicle to kind of you know travel and see different things and different cultures, um, which is why I guess I went to Italy. But um, for the last three years, yeah, I've been here in the states, and things have just taken off, taken off uh, rapidly here with with this new professional league. So. Hoping to be here for the long haul. Absolutely. And tell you what, it's brilliant watching tonight because Major League Rugby looks like it might finally crack that US market. What, um, what really appealed to you about San Diego? You're playing with the Legion there, isn't it? Yeah, I spent the, last, oh, the first season yeah, of Major League Rugby with San Diego. Um, firstly, about the league, it was just, there's been other attempts at professional rugby um, before I came and one whilst I was here. I guess from an organizational standpoint, kind of off the field, it just didn't seem right or personally about getting involved in that pro rugby that existed three years ago I just didn't feel comfortable I didn't think it was the right structures in place or the you know the, necessarily the right owners for the for the long haul because it's a lot of, they, they're pumping a lot of money and they're not going to see a return on investment for a few years but that was a big thing with this major league, major league rugby and why I, I kind of was comfortable to, to, to take to take the leap of faith almost was because the fact that it was each each city is kind of individually owned although as players we're contracted to the league similar I guess to the RFU but Within each city, they have their own individual owners who are responsible for, I guess, marketing the team, getting players, and all the all this kind of things. Um, and obviously, the guys have deep pockets. You know, they knew well they're going to be putting a good few million in and not seeing a return investment for a few years. But but knowing they're all willing to make that, that commitment definitely made made life uh, much easier. I was much more comfortable making the decision to to get involved. And thankfully, year one was a massive success. Um, and as you, as you, I'm sure as you've seen, there's more and more teams buying in. Um, I think next this coming year we're going from seven to nine, and after that for year three we're going to eleven. So yeah, the growth has been has been great. And there's yeah, as I said, any city that doesn't have a team now, they seems to be they seem to be looking to see can they get involved. So I think now the problem is at least just trying to control the growth. They, they don't want to do too much too soon. And with the growth of the game, is the fan base and the popularity of rugby growing as well with it? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, not in San Diego, we were getting like three to four thousand. Granted, we only had, I think, four home games, but um, yeah, three to four thousand in our you know, second, third game ever as a team. So, like, I definitely was kind of choking to myself, thinking, geez, I was back in the sports ground, you know, for all my formative years, and even up to the age of like 21, and we had less, we had less people in the stands. So, um, no, from that point of view, it was ridiculous. Seattle sold out 5,000 every game. And then you have other teams to yeah, other teams when we've been getting a thousand at a game. But even that in itself, you know, it's respectable considering you know it's just getting off the ground. But um the general knowledge is definitely even the three years I've been here, you know, rugby's a lot more kind of it's 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 the understanding of the knowledge of the game has in, even in that three-year time period increased massively. Um, so that, uh, again, usually massively encouraging. Well, obviously, next season you're uh, you're making a move to the East Coast, and Boston are, are jumping on the bandwagon. Another sports mad city who are mad to get into the Major League Rugby franchise. Yeah, um, so we're we're not going to compete in, in the MLR until year three. So basically, now we have an entire year to get ready um, to prepare ourselves. So getting. I think I was kind of the first signing. I was very keen to go to Boston. I just have a lot of history there. But um, yeah, it's maybe a year to get prepared. And um, I'm pretty sure we're going to be playing. We're hoping to get a tour into Ireland, play the A-teams. Um, so that'll be great for us. And then I think one or two of the A-teams might be coming out here. Um, so hopefully those deals get over the line, but I know they're in, they're in talks. Uh, so yeah, no, Boston's an amazing city. Uh, so huge Irish Irish culture, uh, which is, again, a big, it was quite appealing for me. And then, being close to home, being in San Diego was great, but you know it's you know it's a twelve hour or so flight away, and 
Um, all my family come to visit, but it's it's uh, it's a lot more accessible. Me just being me, me just being five hours away in Boston, um, which is definitely you know it's I enjoy my time in the states, but of course it's always nice to kind of get home and see your family and friends. So all those different kind of contributing factors made me uh, head to the east coast i have a ton of family in boston so if you need somewhere to stay i'll sort you out <laughs> cheers <laughs> and, appreciate that you never, you never know i uh, know but like it seems like they wanted you to go to boston as well as much as you wanted to move there you're a you're a big name signing for them tiger i've seen you're plastered all over their social media that must be that must be really gratifying it definitely worked out that i really enjoyed san diego and we like we had a very good team and amazing facilities uh, i think like it was it definitely see the expectations out in san diego but yeah, I just loved Boston, I, and I just met such such good people there. Um, I worked, I played with the club, Boston Irish Wolfhounds, so I was just very comfortable in that city, and it definitely felt like a lot more of a family kind of um environment. And then obviously yeah, the fact that they they were keen to get me on board definitely made the whole kind of negotiations and getting those things sorted it made, made life a lot easier. So, but yeah, look, look I'm ecstatic to go there and uh, see see how things go. But as I mentioned, the fact we have this year to to get ourselves ready well hopefully you know when we hit the ground in year three hopefully be pretty competitive you obviously have moved to america and you clearly have international ambitions um what type of where do you see yourself going with within the u.s setup so when i moved to the states for example three or three years ago i just played but since i've come here i've really say developed my coaching and things like that so i have so much to thank american rugby for it's really given me a, a, an amazing amount of opportunities so on the back of that i knew that I don't want to stay here long term. That I would definitely love to to play to play for the US, but like it was a, like genuinely, uh, it was it was a very sincere thing. I guess in, in now you see a lot of people playing for different countries and people kind of question. You know, they get parachuted in last second, or I think Brad Shields is playing for England at the moment, and people are kind of questioning. You know, do, is he only playing because he can't make the All Blacks? Um, for me, it was definitely like I wanted to be. I've been here for so long now. I definitely want to play for the states and. On the back of the MLR year one, I got picked for a squad, but um, unfortunately, basically paperwork uh, and world rugby eligibility stuff, I'm still in the process. So unfortunately, I had to pull out of that squad. Um, I was only home maybe in August and I was out in the sports ground doing some kicking with Kieran, uh, or Kieran Marmion, the, uh, the Ireland scrum half, and I was just doing some training with him and I was just thinking to myself, gee, we're just chatting. I was thinking, geez, it'd be gas if I was back here in um, November playing against you. So you know, it's definitely an ambition I had, but unfortunately, right now that's kind of come too soon for me. So if, assuming this paperwork gets done, hopefully I'll have a shot. But um, let's wait and see. Well, we fingers crossed for you. I mean, obviously, it'd be incredible if you're able to sort that. And certainly, reading back through some of the match reports of this year one in the MLR, you've been going well for San Diego, and like Boston are lucky to have you. And I think the US would be as well, even if uh, even if it's to build out that squad because the Rugby World Cup. The US has a pretty tricky pool there with England, France, and Argentina. The US team, in, in fairness, um, Gary Gold has come in as head coach. He's formerly he was at Worcester, I believe, before he came out. And um, Greg McWilliams is he coached the Irish women's back when they were kind of quite a successful World Cup a few years ago. So both of those are kind of leading the charge from a coaching standpoint, and they built a, a pretty impressive squad. And they they, they went on a great run there. They won I think eight eight or eight or so games in, in a row, including that huge game against uh, Scotland. So. No, the, the squad's definitely is definitely be competitive. I mean, landing in that group though, look, I mean, everyone's realistic. That's, I think, from the team's perspective, it's a bit of a group of death. But you know, I think the guys right now they're just enjoying. They play the Marriott the weekend, obviously Ireland in a few weeks, so they're just like, enjoying getting the opportunity against really world class opposition. So hopefully, come September in Japan, that they can be you know seriously put a good foot forward and you know make an make an upset or two. And talking of the Ireland versus US match. 
what are you expecting from the US in that game? And I guess, Doug, as well, what will the US team be hoping for from that? Like, what would constitute a good result from that game? From a US perspective, they're going to be probably facing an Ireland team similar to what played against Italy at the weekend in Chicago. So I'd be surprised if Ireland got a first-choice team, but regardless, the second choice is still pretty impressive. From a from US standpoint, you know, you hear it all the time, a bit of cliche, but definitely just performance, just, you know, putting a performance that... Um, doesn't self justice. Yeah, I think at the weekend they can they conceded two or three sloppy tries against the Maori that, you know, they'll be trying to look at thinking of things like intercepts or um just maybe falling asleep in the blind side and uh, just just cheap points that they won't be happy with. So, I think they eradicate those kind of little errors, you know, and just just put together decent performance. They'll be happy. So if they won, I think they'll be over the moon. But you know that's a long shot. Just you know just those little errors that um. If you know, one or two can pile quite quickly, all of a sudden you can see them 7, 14, 21 points. The score gets away from you. Just trying to get, just trying to control those, control the controllables. And I think they'd be uh, quite content. And I think th- this Irish team is, is quite coached. Like they're quite well drilled. So it'll be a good chance to test the US systems against a team of that calibre. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, a few years ago, my younger brother was up in Iron Camp and I just remember him coming home and talking about just like, with Joe Schmidt. He said it was just amazing how much. You're, you're constantly, I think they call it the mental gym. Um, like what's not on the field, they're constantly still being challenged off the field just in terms of having real clarity around systems and um, your roles within the system. So just to your point, yeah, I think the USA, to go up against, to go up against such a well-polished and well-coached team will, it will, will really show kind of, okay, what, like what they're doing right and still gives them the guts of a year then to make some, to make some changes um, in terms of tactical. Uh, so, yeah, no, I think it will be a very interesting contest. And on the day, who should we be more looking out for? And who are you expecting to kind of shine from a US perspective on the field? Unfortunately, they've lost their main man in AJ at 10. Uh, but of the guys that are going to be out there, there's a, a winger, Ryan Mateus. He's a quality footballer. I played him in San Diego. Um, just the man's absolutely rapid. So it'll be interesting. Hopefully he'll get the ball in some space. Um, he's a quality player. The number eight, Cam Dolan, another guy. That's, uh, he's, he's only 28, but he's... He's definitely seen as a veteran of the team, so uh, there's 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 quite a few guys who you know have have uh, individually from the individual aspects have great skills, but I guess just trying to get them all to gel. But definitely Ryan Mateus who wants to look out for. To flip the gear for a sec to the Ireland New Zealand game, obviously a massive fixture and kind of the the linchpin of that international series. As an Irishman abroad, looking back, you must be hoping for a home win over the All Blacks for the first time ever. Oh yeah, I was I was fortunate enough to be there two years ago in Chicago. Um, you jammy bastard! <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was gas. That was uh, it was it was. As I was saying, good friends with Kieran, so no, it was great. It was great to see them. Alton Finley, uh, Robbie was playing. Jesus, there's four or five of the lads. No, that was amazing. But I guess for Irish fans, just for them to experience that at home, you know, it would be amazing for everyone. Yeah, just to, just to get that, like it was surreal looking back on it. So I'm sure it would be something similar. Well, I guess their expectations are higher now based on what the team's done over the last year. But playing New Zealand at home, I think will come down to a penalty, a kick or two. From your standpoint in America, and you look over at Connacht, how do you think they're going at the moment? Like, Dyer got his first start of the season for the main team, and he had a really good outing. How do you think the season's going for him so far? From a Connacht perspective, obviously new coach and stuff coming in. I think they've been doing all right. I think that's fair to say they um, definitely dropped some points. But then they've picked up some good wins, obviously, up in Ulster. So, yeah, I think, I think decent. Um, hopefully, they'll do, do well down in South Africa. I mean, you know, by their own standards, I'm sure they're hoping to pick up more points um, than they have done. So be interested to see how they keep going. And I guess from Dara's perspective, he's definitely had a tough season. The day having to wait this long to, to get his first game, but 
thankfully, yeah, look, he scored a good try and put in a few good tackles. And uh, I think he really showed his value to the new coach. So hopefully on the back of that performance, he can get the opportunities he deserves. And as long as he doesn't end up look, making you look too bad, he's, he's, a, he's a good player. And to be fair, probably for my money, underused in the last couple of years, somebody who is plays simple rugby but executes very effectively and that's the thing though i think at that level is so high that doing doing the core things well um and he, yeah he has been important i mean the man he was injured i guess because he got to two years so that was quite tough um at the end of pat's reign and started curing canes but just you know he, he started getting some game time under curing Keane. but then at the end of the season when he, when he got his fitness back um and then yeah this this year i guess he's been he's been working hard um definitely definitely quite frustrated by you know, not get, not getting the opportunities he thought he thought his kind of performances warranted, and on the back of that, I think other, other teams even had looks coming come in to see could they get him out on loan. Um, but not this during the season. But he he never even entertained the thought of leaving Connacht just because you know he's been there since he's. Yeah, I remember two of us young ball boy there as like seven eight year old. So no, he loves Connacht. And he just he just really wants to to play for the team and show what he can do. So again, as I said, hopefully his performance at, uh, last weekend showed the coaches what what he's capable of. The, the guy had racked up 50 appearances by the age of 21. So when he, when he gets the injury-free kind of streak, he's definitely a good foot, good player. And as I mentioned, I think previously, you know, Joe Schmidt didn't call him to his Ireland squad for nothing a few years ago. So as again, if he's injury-free, um, I'm definitely hopeful he'll, uh, he'll kick on again. Yeah, he's very much a, a Joe-style player, solid with the fundamentals. If he keeps up the road of form and keeps improving as he has been, like there's definitely more Ireland caps in his future. The way the way the team is now, it's you know it's ultra competitive from a national standpoint and and Connacht. But I think yeah, I think you're right in saying that. I think that was one of his big attractions to there. He was you know, good under the high ball, massive boot, and uh, just he can be, you know he's six foot three and he's a hundred or so kg. So he's he's a big lad. So yeah, yeah, you're dead right. I think that was why Joe Schmidt was attracted to him. And if he gets a few more games under his belt, uh, yeah, who knows what can happen. But I think in the short term, he just wants to keep turning up for Connacht and you know it's the team. He's he's the only place he wants to be. So hopefully. Uh, if he keeps performing, if he keeps keep getting the opportunity. Ty, that's brilliant. And obviously, we're over here, we're crossing our fingers for, for your ambitions when I see you lining out for the, the red, white, and blue. Um, wanted to ask you a couple of quick rapid-fire questions, if that's okay, before we let you go. Yeah, let's go ahead. Porrit, you want to go first? So, first of all, what is your best moment in green? That can either be Connacht or Ireland underage. Definitely the year under-20s with, with Connacht, we, um, we won the Grand Slam. It was, it was an amazing team. I mean, I was in the centre alongside Robbie, but that was def- definitely sticks out as, as something that was it was just amazing, especially because we trained all summer so so bloody hard. Um, nobody nobody really rated us, and then we, had, we went on to beat all Ulster and Raven Hill, Munster at home, and Leinster and Donnybrook. So yeah, that was definitely pretty special. Nice one. And other side of the coin, any big regret that's still hanging over you? Yeah, just uh, when I, when I felt like things were rolling, um, just getting hurt like just getting injuries I think most guys would say that but definitely looking back I felt like I was things are going the right direction training with the first team I was quite happy how I was going and then playing a game for Weegens twist your ankle that's your season done and then I dislocate my shoulder and that's that was all she wrote and as you said you've played with Connacht you've played in America who's your favourite player you've played with across your time so far on the rugby field Oof, good question um, back home I'd say I've said his name a few times but Kieran uh, Kieran Marion is scrum half I think he's I guess in the green of Ireland you don't see him do it as much but the guy's absolutely electric you know around the breakdown when he's given that licence to to have a go um, he, he's, he's an amazing footballer and then out in the States, the best player I played with, again, a man I mentioned, but Ryan Mateus. He, hopefully, you guys will get to see him um, when I'm talking about over the November internationals. 
Fantastic. Don't worry, Porrick is a huge fan of arms. He is always going on that Ireland doesn't give him enough of a look in, so good, you're, good. you're in good company there. <laughs> um, Ty, toughest opponent you've come up against? Um, oh, I remember <laughs> a few years ago, but playing against, uh, remember Brad Thorne was back in Leinster. Uh, I remember playing against him oh. as a scrawny, scrawny, scrawny 18-year-old. Yeah, I just remember just uh, getting hit by him and just, it was almost surreal. Uh, so yeah, that was pretty cool though, because obviously he's a legend of the game. So to get rub, to rub shoulders with someone like him was pretty was pretty cool. I mean, rubbing shoulders into the ribcage probably, but uh, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more, more, yeah, it's more accurate. And as we look forward into the rest of the season, who do you think is going to win this year's Six Nations? <sighs> I'm pretty confident that Ireland do the job. I think I watched England play at the weekend of South Africa. It wasn't too impressive, but obviously they have pretty good firepower. But the way Ireland are going at the moment, obviously second in the world, you can't look past them. So, yeah, fingers crossed they get the job done. And the $6 million question, who's going to come home with the trophy from Japan, Rugby World Cup 2019? Uh, USA Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Good answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fantastic. And you know what? If they manage to knock out England, France and Argentina in the process, I will be cheering for the USA. <laughs> Everybody, every, yeah, geez, everyone be hopping on the bandwagon. Be like Japan of uh, the last World Cup. Everyone be going first. This is it. And, and you know what? Look, looking at it, USA are such a good set of fans. that They're probably second only to Ireland. So it'd be nice to see them get a run in the competition, uh, particularly given that I get the feeling they could be putting their hands up to host 2027. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. And that in itself would be, I mean, you, you always hear about people talking about the 94 football soccer World Cup, I think was hosted here in the States. And straight away when you mention that, you know, that, that pops into my head. You hear people talk about the growth of soccer and how that was a big catalyst. So a World Cup out here, yeah, geez, that'd be amazing. Facilities are here. Fans, the fans will get around it. So yeah, fingers crossed. I, I have one question about the Boston franchise. Tyke, what is a free jack? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that was coming. Ah! Jeez, that's a good question. Ah, it was explained to us. Uh, you put me on the spot here. I'm in the middle of exams now, so my head's a bit fried. Something about <laughs> kind of, you know, getting free from English. Uh, you, I think that's the kind of, I recommend you Google it because uh, I can't give you the right answer right now. That's great, Thike. Thanks very much for taking time out of your day to come chat to us. I know you're in the middle of exams and studying, so it really, it really is appreciated. And the very best of luck with it. And with the move to Boston, we'll be... Uh, Certainly keeping an eye out and trying to catch some footage. And if the Free Jacks do end up touring over this side of the water, uh, let us know. We'd love to have a chat with you, see how you're getting settled in Boston. Yeah, no, sounds good. And thanks so much for having me. I enjoy, enjoyed chatting to you and uh, keep, keep up the good work. Will do, Tyg, and thanks again. And we'll be back on the weekend discussing how this round of international fixtures went. We really do love hearing from you, so get in touch on facebook.com forward slash the second row. Or on Instagram and Twitter, where we're at the second row. That is 2ND, not the world second. So until next time, take care, goodbye, and thanks again for listening.